This is where you come to hear tales of loss, redemption, salvation, perspectives, epiphanies, and self-evolution. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the glory in our stories. Hello, TGOS listeners. Welcome to the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories. On this episode, we'll be speaking with a local percussionist, a talented drummer by the name of Charles Givens. Check it out. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to The Glory in Our Stories. I do apologize for the overlapping of voices in the background. Y'all might end up hearing something you don't want to hear. This is beyond my control. Just one that disclaimer um so today had the pleasure have the pleasure of sitting down uh, with a dope uh, local artist uh, one of the best percussionists i've ever actually heard um there's only two people here in augusta who i think of when it comes to um percussionists aka in this particular situation uh, drummers um it's my guest charles gibbons and I'm not going to name the other person. I'll let, let him know later. Because <laughs> this uh, podcast is about him. And um, But I personally wanted to, to say how awesome it is to see your consistency and persistence as an artist. And showcasing your talent on social media as much as you can. And um, the covers you've done, uh, it's the countless, countless covers you've done. And I know... You've had a lot of people coming your way, say, "Hey, man, can you do this? Can you do that? Because you do what you do very well. Because if you did, nobody would really hit you up." Um, but again, man, thank you for your time uh, so far. Um, so I guess I just jump right into it, as I always ask. Were you originally born here in Augusta, or where did you grow up? I originally, I grew up here in Augusta. Um, I was born, and uh, I was actually born in Germany. Pops is an army. He was in the army. Yeah, so I guess you can classify me as like an army brat, but um, I do like to credit my growing up as like right here in the city. So yeah, yeah, it was, it, it was. I mean, it was different, you know, having a father who was in the army, and then he's a pastor on top of that. So yeah. it's like certain stuff that you saw other people doing, you couldn't really do it, and then you're just like, oh, okay, like, why can't I do it, you know? And then they have to explain to you, you know, well, you can't do this because of this right hand, and you can't do this because of this right hand, and you're just like, you don't want me to have fun. That's cool, though, you know, so, but yeah, it, it was, you know, it, it was pretty cool, it was pretty cool. So I was, um... Going was is um, Joe London your only sibling? Yes, um, my only sibling is a uh, is a uh, Joe London Gibbons. Um, a lot of people uh, know her, especially on Facebook. Um, I always make the joke, you know. I always say, you know, for my uh, for my next significant other, whether it's girlfriend, fiance, wife, I'm like, all I'm saying is, if me and my sister are talking about you. And she describes you with the words trash or absurd or both of them. Just know that there's really no chance for you. So go and just enjoy your life. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, you know, even though I make even though I make that joke, 
a lot about her saying that, you know, I actually do value my sister's opinion when it comes to certain things, especially relationships. Yeah. Because I'll talk to my sister before I go talk to my parents about the person who I talk to, you know, and, um, you know, even, even with that, you know, she, you know, she doesn't play the radio. It's, it's no gray area. It's black or white. It's just straight. No, like, don't do it, or you know, so on and so forth. So, but yeah, she's awesome. She's amazing. You know, I love her to death. You know, you know, she she's definitely uh, she's definitely my ace. You know, and anytime I need her or vice versa, you know, it's always hey, I gotta talk to you. Hey, I gotta ask you something. Hey, I need a favor, and it's really no. You know, granted, she will tear off into me, you know, and then she'll then proceed to, you know, do what I asked her to do. You know what I'm saying? But, hey, you know, she's utterly just great. Just awesome, you know? Yeah. Great, man. That was a, um, maybe, I'm not sure if it was your page or her page. There's an old photo of y'all holding hands on the tree. The thing about that, she posted that photo a couple of years ago. She posted the photo a couple of years ago, and then my mom just comments on it randomly, and then she just reposts the video and says that she loves me. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, why, why this photo? Oh, you know, because, you know, but I mean, yeah, I mean, she now don't don't get it twisted. You know, you know, my mom will say, you know, you all have always been close. And we'll literally look at her and be like, no, we weren't always close. And, you know, in fact, I tell people, I say, you know, I honestly did not start having the relationship that I have with my sister now. I didn't really start having that relationship with her until I was about. So she was about a sophomore, junior in high school, you know, because of the age gap. And then, you know, she's hanging out with her friends and they're into certain stuff. And then I'm hanging out with my friends and I'm into certain stuff. You know, it always kind of kind of crashed or clashed, excuse me, just a little bit, you know. But, you know, as we grew older, you know, we realized, like, you only get one brother. You only get one sister. And we know our parents ain't trying to have more kids. So we kind of need to, like, hey, you know, and... It was like that when she started driving to school and, you know, she would drive me with her and, you know, everything like that, you know. I tell people she went to Davidson Fine Arts here in Augusta, so she used to drag me to all of these performances at her school from jazz band to when she would perform because she played the oboe and then, you know, the, the, the chorale and I'm just like, why are you dragging me to these performances? When I was younger, I would say, why are you dragging me? dragging me to these performances but as I got older and I started to really appreciate music I was like when is the next performance that you're having you know so it, it was it was <laughs> yeah she's awesome she's amazing she is utterly amazing I, I had the same relationship with my second oldest sister mm-hmm. it wasn't until after high school we we went at it every like, man just every chance she had she had to get the last word and it was I later found out why it was uh-huh. something deeply rooted it had nothing to do with me right but um, after that like even we recently uh, Adrian and I went recently to go visit her uh-huh. and I, I look at her I'm like dang we came a not only we came way. a long way you came a long way looking right. at her and her looking at me mm-hmm. uh, but that 
relationship and that bond right. is irreplaceable. And even going back to what you were saying about dating, I was dating this girl once, and my sister was sitting right across from us, and she texted me. She said, you dating her? I said, no. I said, good, because you can do better. Mm. And I was like... So okay. yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so having somebody being honest with you like that, right. and caring and loving you enough to say, hey, right, I don't think this is a. Good and, and even in that particular aspect, you know, I always, anytime I'm dating somebody, anytime I date somebody, or I have an interest in starting a relationship with somebody, I always tell them like, hey, I want you to meet my sister before you meet my parents, because. You know, the way I am is, you know, my father, you know, my father, he'll ask questions, but not too many questions. My mom, she'll ask questions a bit more than my father does. But my sister gets knee deep in questions like, okay, where'd you meet them? What do they do? So on and so forth. And so I tell people, I'm like, if my sister gets a bad vibe from you, I don't think you should meet my parents, you know, and... You know, and it's, it's, it's literally, I mean, I know people are like, well, you shouldn't bring them to, you know, meet your sister first before you meet your parents. It needs to be the other way around. I'm like, no, it's not the way, this isn't the way this works. Yeah. You know, I literally tell people, my sister is like my best friend. So I'm going to tell her like, hey, you know, meet my sister, talk to my sister. If my sister says good things, then we're moving on to phase two with meeting the parents. But if she's like, no, then I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah. You know, you're going to have to either do something to wow her over or that's just what it is. Like, my sister's intuition, as far as women are concerned, has never been wrong with anybody I've dated. You know, so um, so with that, you know, I trust her opinion more than, you know, even some of my homeboys who I talk to. I trust her opinion more than theirs. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's great, you know. Yo, Tigas isn't just a place to share the makings of your story, but the details of your music. Tune in every so often for an updated episode of The Recipe, where I sit down with artists and discuss track by track the how, why, when, where, and who of their latest project. Making music can be similar to living life. Things go left when you intended for it to go right. Other times it's as beautiful as you intended. Again, check out Tigas Presents The Recipe. Awesome. As far as, and speaking of opinion and your sister, do y'all have the same taste in music? We really do. Really? Yeah, my sister, I will literally, in fact, this happened probably like a week and a half, probably like a week and a half to two weeks ago, mm-hmm. or last week. No, either last week or a week and a half ago or so on and so forth. Um, I found this clip of one of my favorite drummers playing this song by an artist named Sarsha Simone. Mm-hmm. And um, it was called um, "Gonna Do Me," and it was like 20 vinyls, re- 20 vinyl remix, or something of that nature. Yeah. And when I heard it, I said, "Oh man, this is dope!" And I had it on repeat for like the whole day. And then finally, finally, I found the link and I sent her the YouTube link. I said, "Hey, take a listen to this," and she immediately hit me back, probably like five minutes later, saying, "Is this on SoundCloud?" And I say, yeah, it is on SoundCloud, you know, but we share music back and forth. Um, we went to uh, we went to our friend Christina, um, Christina Starr. She just got married and um, we went to her wedding when we came back. You know, Kirk Franklin's um, Long Live Love album had just came out probably like the day prior. So we said, OK, well, we have this two about two to two and a half hour drive back. We're going to either we're going to sample it first, yeah. and if we don't like it from the first 15 seconds of the song, that's it. 
but within the first track we were both drawn in and we listened to it the entire way back from savannah you know but yeah she yeah the taste in music is just is definitely the same there are artists that she introduced me to um she introduced me to uh chrisette michelle she introduced me to uh, Janelle Monet, and when she introduced me to Janelle Monet, I instantly fell in love because that style was just like, wow. Yeah. You know, and um, <laughs> even with that, I tell people, I'm like, I really feel like somebody took a mirror to like my soul and like kind of copied it and just handed it, handed it to Janelle Monet and was like, okay, make this kind of music right here. You know, she um, when she, when Janelle came to Augusta in 2012, uh, I was planning on going with some friends of mine, but um, some things happened where I wasn't able to get a ticket. And I told my friends, and I said, "Y'all, I'm not gonna be able to go." And they were like, "Oh, well, you know, we'll have fun. We'll take pictures for you." I said, "Cool." At the time, me and my sister, we were both working in the same place. We were working in a gold buying place, and I walked into work, and she looked at me. She's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah." I'm pretty all right. You know, Janelle Monet is coming to Augusta in about a month, and I'm not able to get my ticket. And I think tickets are about to be sold out or what have you. She was like, oh, man, that's horrible. I was like, yeah, I know, but I'll catch her some other time when she's here or whenever. Well, my sister, she gave me a call one day. I was actually off work. She gave me a call. She said, hey, what's your email? I gave her my email address, and then she said okay and then she just hung up the phone i was like that was weird but don't spam my email but cool you know so after that i got an email that came through and it says it was saying attached to this is your ticket for the western festival featuring janelle monet and my sister texted me she said happy birthday and i was like Wow, like that's and it was so crazy because I was like, oh man, and we both went, we had fun, we kind of, you know, we had this big old blanket, we sat on the blanket, we had cold drinks and food, and we were just enjoying the concert. I think it was around the time they were paying tribute to James Brown, and everybody was performing James Brown stuff, and then Janelle Monet came out and just ripped. And I said to myself, and I said to um, my sister, I was like, you know what? I don't think anybody can top this birthday gift. And I would say that for years. That was 2012. I said that for years. Like, look, I don't care if you buy me a car. You can buy me a house. You can buy me a dog. You can buy me a whole brand new drum set that I like with all the good symbols that I like. I'm like, but nothing will be able to top that gift. And I said that. 2018 rolls around. I was working in Augusta Sportswear. And um, she called me when I was on my lunch break. She said, hey, I need you to take off these dates in August. I was like, okay, I'll take them off. So I went straight to my manager. I said, hey, I know we're literally like in February, but I need these dates off in August. They said, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You know, and they, um, and, you know, we'll give you the dates. I was like, all right, cool, 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 cool. So then I, um, I called her. I called her. I said, hey, I got those days off work. What's up? She was like, okay, well, I just wanted to let you know that I love you so much. I was like, okay, I love you too. Like, what do you want? And she says, oh, I just want to let you know that um, I need you to take those days off because I got you tickets to Afropunk and Janelle Monae is headlining wow. on Sunday. And I was just like, so I'm confused. I tell somebody or I tell everybody you can't top the birthday gift from 2012. And then you, my sister, turn around and top the gift from 2012. Yeah. And Afropunk, Afropunk was such 
the experience I had at Afropunk, because she's been before, but the experience that I had at Afropunk, it was completely, it was mind-blowing. And I tell people, I'm like, you ever saw the old Michael Jackson videos where the girls were like falling out and like crying when Michael Jackson was performing? Yeah. I told them, I was like, hey, straight up, I was one of them little fangirls out there in the audience. <laughs> you know, she did, Janelle Monet did primetime without Miguel. But that particular part of the performance, I was just standing still. And I promise you, probably like two or three tears dropped out my eyes because you did primetime and did an amazing job with that by yourself. And then you turn around and throw in a tribute to Prince. And I'm like, only Janelle can do this, you know. And even my sister, we were riding back. And um, a friend of ours, you know, um, they were driving and they were talking up front. And her friend was like, "Do you think they? Do you think he had a good time?" And my sister just looks back, and I'm just speechless, looking out the window, just still. And she's like, "He's speechless. He had a really good time. I'm pretty sure he did." So, yeah, the taste of music is definitely, definitely hand in hand. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So what? Uh, what got you into? playing drums was that something that you've always wanted to do or it's crazy was you know i got into playing drums uh like i went to church of course and i just gravitated toward i gravitated towards it um you know because i don't know i really honestly don't know what it was but i was just like oh i want to do that yeah you know and then when you're trying to do it when you're young you don't know what you're doing you know but it's kind of crazy because it's kind of crazy. I started, like, I really, like, started banging on pots and pans when I was a kid. Like, when I was probably, like, one or two. Three, I had my own toy drum set that my sister broke, which I was upset about. But, you know, my mom was like, you had rhythm when you were three and everything like that. You know, we went to a church here in Augusta where my father was the assistant pastor um, and everything like that. I was already playing Thursday night services at, like, the age of four. Mm. at the age of four and it just grew and it grew and it grew and I was just like man like and I honestly wouldn't trade the gift for anything I've never I've honestly and I don't say this I don't say this to sound cocky I don't say this to sound arrogant or anything of that nature but I've honestly never had any formal drum set lessons I can believe that like I've had you know like percussion wise when I was in middle school and high school I had that but as far as like sitting down with a teacher playing drum set and learning different things and the things that I do I never had it I never had it it was just it was just there you know and every time I think about it I'm like man that's like that's kind of crazy even people when I tell them that they just look at me like you've been playing for this many years and you haven't had a formal lesson I was like no I haven't so and a lot of people can don't obviously don't understand that. Like my mm-hmm. uncle, he he paints, but he never went to class. He doesn't have a degree in it. Right. And he paints it so easily. Right. And it's like the things that he paints, they're not mimics. Mm-hmm. They're like original pieces. Right. And he just has the ability to look at something and say, "Hey, I can put this down, and, and that's it." And um, you pretty much express that stuff like that that's like you said it's something that you're born with and you can't really can't really teach that right right you really can't and you know it's one thing to I honestly feel like there's a like even when I like hear people play sometimes you know I can tell if you've had formal lessons or 
if this is just something that you were born with. You know, I have a lot of friends here in Augusta who, like, when I hear them, I'm like, they were definitely born with it. Yeah. You know, they were definitely born with that gift, you know, and it shows up, especially when you're playing, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to have an ear for that, and I was going to ask you that, as far as mentally, because mm-hmm. I don't, it always amazes me to see um, um, artists, especially musical artists that mm-hmm. play instruments. What goes to your mind? How do you know? It's just, I don't, how do your brain operates when you play? Like, what do, what do you go through mentally? Yo, I always... I'm always curious about how our brains operate during the process. I believe that all our brains, whether you're creative or just an individual uh, who probably thinks they're not creative, we are, our brains consist of a matrix that we know how it operates, but we can't fully explain it. And I guess that's the beauty of it. That's the complexity uh, that makes it so interesting. So I really wanted to uh, ask Charles that and have him illustrate that the best way he could. Um, because I'm curious, you know, as a somebody watching a drummer, everything looks so random. Um, but it feels like, oh, that's planned out. <laughs> they make it look so easy. Uh, so anyway, continue to listen in uh, to the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories uh, with the awesome, the talented Charles Gibbons. You know, mentally, when I'm playing, well, first, if I'm playing behind the artist, mentally is like, first of all, like, don't miss anything, you know, stay where you have to be at. You know, if I'm just sitting down and just freehanding everything and, you know, doing some stuff by myself, you know, or if they give me a solo section, honestly, I'm not that kind of person where I'm going to sit here and just literally map out, like map out a solo while I play. Yeah. You know, um, I have a drummer, uh, a drummer who I listen to. His name is Aaron Spears. And, uh, you know, he even said it. he was doing a he was doing a clinic over in the UK. He was saying, you know, I don't sit here and say, you know, I'm going to play this rudiment and put the accent here and so on and so forth. He was like, if I just feel it, I do it, you know, and I'm just the exact same way. Like if I feel it. You know, first I want to make sure it's in a spot that's not going to be a distraction. But when I do do my different chops and everything like that, I'm always just like, you know, is it going to feel good? You know, and that's just how I am. Like most of the time my mind is clear, you know, when I'm playing, you know, and, you know, it's always just it's always just amazing, you know, and it's always great to just have a clear mind whenever I'm playing because I'm just sitting there like, I don't want to sit here and have to bombard my mind with what chops I'm going to do. At the same time of bombarding my mind with that, I have to also think about the fact that I'm playing with somebody or what have you, so I need to make sure I'm locked in right there. And also uh, counting as well. Um, no matter what time set and try I'm in, um, if it's 4-4, uh, I'm always counting 1-2-3-4 whenever I'm playing to make sure I come back in on beat and I'm not being a distraction yeah. or whichever time set and try I'm in, really. So, I mean, it's pretty much what I think about, honestly. So you pretty much have to synchronize yourself with the uh, main, with the lead artist. Mm-hmm. And how do you operate amongst other uh, instrumentalists like in your, that surrounded you? Like, how does that work? Basically, how I, basically it's just like you already have a lot you have going on. So it's I'll just take church for example. So I have a few homeboys of mine 
um, and I will drop their names in here. So I have a friend named Kenny. In fact, I just posted about him on my Facebook probably like an hour and a half ago. Yeah. I have a friend named Kenny who plays organ, and then I have a friend of mine named Rayshawn who plays like key, keys, organ, and bass. So let's say Kenny is on organ, and we got Rayshawn on bass, and then we got me on drums. Basic three-piece. Um, how it works is I try to lock in with what Rayshawn's playing on bass. And then, you know, you got Kenny over there who's filling it up with chords. So pretty much trying to keep that tight knit, you know. But at the same time, I love to have fun when I play. So if we're not over there, like, having fun and smiling and laughing and locking in and giving facial expressions when somebody does something funky, you know, what's the point of doing it? You know, like, I like being with musicians who... You know, who actually just know how to catch the vibe and just vibe with you. And they're not just so uptight. And it's like, all right, guys, remember, we're going to this right here. And we're just like, we know, bro. Like, can we just, can we have some fun? Like, please. You know, I really honestly came to the realization that practice can be stressful. You know, practice with other musicians. Yeah, it can be stressful. You know, but when you get to that final, like the performance that you've been practicing for and you know everything is together, then the vibe is perfect. Then you can have fun. You're like, yeah. And then you talk about it afterwards when you go out to eat. So, yeah, I mean, that's usually whenever I'm with other musicians, I always try to, you know, stay locked in, gel, but at the same time, have fun, you know, because you never know when it's going to be your last time playing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you see a connection between your music and your real life? Or are you able to, do you separate the two? Or do they synchronize in some form? I can't, I actually can separate the two. But I honestly, sometimes I like when it infuses with both, like when it infuses with each other. Yeah. You know, I'm constantly thinking about music 24-7. I don't care what it is. Um, I can be having a conversation with you. You can say something and I'll literally think of a song that pertains to what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, um, but I do like to have like personal days. Like if I'm not doing music, you know, and I know I don't have to do music, you know, that would work in a job. I kind of want to rest, relax, sit down, watch Netflix, binge watch, whatever, you know, and do it like that. So, um, I mean, I can separate it. Or I can infuse it. So whichever one I'm feeling at the time. Yeah. When I was younger, I didn't know that it was healthy to take a break. Yes. Like, to remove yourself from what you do. And I realized that it was quite helpful because once I came back to it, I had a different perspective. saw it in a different way that I didn't see before. And I remember, like, for the first time, when I was in a studio just working with someone, that camaraderie and that energy never mm-hmm. experienced that before and I never knew yo this is what happens when mm-hmm. you're putting something together right and how the f- pieces just fall in there right and having that um, you say you do you stay in your pocket I stay in mine you stay in yours and have all that work together mm-hmm. to create something much bigger right so um, but as far as as drummers like there in particular drummers that you admire some that you pulled from man made it made something like your own style or i have to look at my watch because we might be here for a while um <laughs> international well nationally um there's a there's quite a few uh i'll start back like way back in the 50s um max roach um jack dejanet uh buddy rich gene krupa sammy davis jr actually played drums on top of that wow, I never yeah heard. um Tony Williams, 
and then as you move forward, uh, Steve Gadd, Jojo Mayer, Dave Weckl, um, Vinny Caliuta, who is amazing, Dennis Chambers, John Blackwell. Uh, I feel like I'm leaving somebody out because uh, it's that many people. Um, that's, uh, that's them. And then current day, uh, Gerald Hayward, Aaron Spears, uh, Calvin Rogers. Calvin Rogers is literally like the any like any type of gospel album, you know, any type of gospel album or live like Marvin Sapp's Thirsty album and the Here I Am album or uh, Fred Hammond's Love Unstoppable, you know, or God Love and Romance. You know, you're gonna hear Calvin on drums. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? Calvin Rogers, uh, Nissan Stewart, Gordon Campbell, Teddy Campbell. Um, ugh, it's a lot. Uh, For those of you who are listening, this is a great example of studying your craft. Let me see. Because he's not even done yet. He's still thinking. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Who else? Uh, man, it's a lot of people. I didn't know Bruno Mars played but yeah, Bruno Mars is actually pretty dope. Like when I saw him on the um, on the Super Bowl, I was like, "Oh, okay, cool, <laughs> cool." Um, Does who? Prince play drums? Prince played twenty five <laughs> instruments, and drums was one of them. Wow. Mm-hmm. Take me over. Yep. Uh, some of the younger guys that are out here: Clemens Poindexter, his brother Jermaine Poindexter, Josiah Maddox, and his brother. Uh, then you got. Uh, Puzz Tribute, George Spanky McCurdy. Spanky, I heard Spanky for the first time because he used to play for Ty Tribute, like from the Life album all the way up to the Standout album. You know, Spanky, um, I remember when I heard him live, uh, I was like, wow. Um, let me see, Spank, man, uh, it's, it's a bit, I'm just... Uh, Jamal Moore. Um, I've been watching a lot of Jamal Moore. This is um, he's from DC. Yeah. Um, who else? Dominique Austin. Uh, whew, Josh Mayfield. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, go ahead and look up the glory in our stories on Apple Podcast and Spotify. You can listen to every episode from one to sixty-four. Continue to listen. This is the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories with Charles Gibbons. Uh, Robert Robert Diamond Johnson, you know, and then some other cats, uh, Fred Boswell, Tim Fig Newton. Um, Tim, Tim Newton, he's actually one of the reasons why him and this other drummer, Thomas Pridgen, they're the reason why uh, I try, even though I feel like I've been told I'm a very technical drum player, and I'm like, I really just go off feeling like Aaron Spears. But when I actually listen back to myself playing and actually like watch footage, I'm like, that sounds very technical and not so free-forming, yeah. you know. But them, Kevin Hayden, this is dude out of uh, New York, uh, Devin Harris, Shawan Andrews, Benny Rich Andrews, and you know, that's just. That's all I can really think of. And then locally, there's a lot of cats that's out here locally, you know, who I love listening to. Um, Eamon Hudson. Uh, that, was, that was the second person. Yeah, Eamon Hudson, uh, my boy uh, Curtis Walker. 
um, Ruddy Wilson, Akeem Wells, you know, me and Akeem went to high school together. And he's just, oh man, Uh, Akeem Wells, Kwamel Jones, um, Lael Cook. Lael. Lael, I've been watching Lael for years, and even to this day, like I've been watching Lael since I was about eight, and even now, 20 years later, I'm still looking at him like, but how did you, I don't know, um, this guy named Michael James, uh, who else? Um, Michael James, uh, Brandon Kelly, he just moved to L.A. Um, then there's some cats over in South Carolina. Um, this dude named Roderick, he was introduced to me by uh, a friend of mine, Clyde Frazier, who uh, Clyde has literally, Clyde has literally just imparted so much in the um, in the years that we've known each other. Him, this dude named Devin Jenkins. Um, I remember one time, Clyde, he called me. He called me at probably 11, 45, 12 o'clock, midnight. And he said, bro, what do you, he, you know how South Carolina people talk. He's like, hey, bro, what you doing? I was like, I'm literally just at the house chilling right now. What's going on? He was like, you trying to play some drums? And I'm looking like, I'm not driving to Orangeburg, bro. Like, why would you even, why is this even a thing? Like, why would you even ask me that? But before I could say it, he was like, I'm on my way to Augusta right now. And I said, all right, well, cool, let's do it, let's do it. And um, he came through. We started we started jamming and shedding at around 1230. We didn't walk out. We didn't, like, get in our cars to go home until about 4 o'clock in the morning. Wow. About three and a half hours of just solid passing information and passing stuff along and, you know, sharing stuff with different people. You know, even to this day, when I post in, um, in a percussion group that me and him are both in, like I'll post, like I just made a post a couple of days ago, and I said I just stole this group from Clyde Fraser. Now I'm playing. He let me borrow it, and he <laughs> and he commented back saying, "Oh, I definitely jacked that from Devin Jenkins, but I'm definitely stealing some of your combos." And I'm like, "I've stolen quite a bit of yours already, yeah. so I think we'll just call it even, you know." But um, then there's cats in Atlanta, uh, Jerome Flood, and. Uh, Sterling Whiteside. I met Sterling Whiteside at a random shed that we threw, and he came in. And I was like, I don't know who this dude is with these long dreads that is really up in here waxing everybody with simplicity. But I mean, hey, you know, and you know, but that's just who I can name as of right now without getting a brain fart. Um, but it's actually more, more people than that that I actually study on a day-to-day basis. So, so do you prefer? I'm actually probably about two more questions. Um, do you prefer, and you probably do, you prefer live instrumentation over, um, I guess, synthesized tracks, or what's your preference when it comes to listening and playing? When it comes to when it comes to listening, I'm a fan of both. You know, um, don't get me wrong, I love a good studio, a good studio beat. Um, a good studio beat and everything of that nature um but then at the same time you really can't go wrong with live stuff yeah. you know live stuff is always amazing uh playing wise i do prefer live um i think any drummer i think any drummer would tell you this like they absolutely hate electric drum sets yeah like they it just doesn't give you like that right freeing feeling you know that you can get with drums like or with acoustic live drums so it's like a good 
it's like a good mix for me. So listening-wise, it doesn't really matter. But definitely playing-wise, I have to go with live because live is just, it just feels better, you know? And even with that, you know, on an electric drum set, because I've been in places where the drummer was like going in, just going in, but the volume never changed, you know? Acoustics, you know, you can control your volume. Like your sound man can control your volume coming out your mics. But if you like really are going in, you can still be heard like over the mics. Granted, you know, I mean, people don't like when people play loud, but at the same time, you know, percussion, it's kind of like, you know, you have no choice. It's like, it's going to be loud, whether you like it or not. So, yeah. Do you find yourself having a, this might be a weird question, but I'm pretty certain you'd understand. Do you find yourself having a relationship with your instrument in the sense that there's this organic connection where, like for me, um, I don't know, like I guess my, when I write sometimes, they actually get infused with my emotions or how I'm feeling and I'm trying to manipulate my craft to um, express how I feel. But in a sense, like, do you, how, how are you with your instrument? I'm just curious. Like, I, get, I get what you're saying. Um, I feel like I'm very close with it. You know, I've told people, uh, even when I didn't have, if I didn't have a person to talk to, you know, other than praying, of course, you know, I would always play drums. You know, I, uh, when I used to work at a call center, I would get off at 10 o'clock. Or some t- or the first time I started, the first shift I had, I was working 2.30 to 11. So at 11 o'clock, if I had a bad day, I wouldn't even go home. I would just go straight to my parents' church, unlock the church, and be there for hours and just hammer out everything that I was feeling at the time. You know, so um, it doesn't really matter what it is. You know, I usually try to, you know, I usually get it out however I can. So with me by playing, you know, especially like if I'm alone, you know, it's perfect to, you know, release any type of emotions, whether you're a happy person, you're playing happy tunes. If you're a sad person, you're playing sad tunes or whatever it is that you're going through. If I'm angry, you know, I'll just go in and just lock the door, turn my phone on silent or on airplane mode, you know, and I'll just be there. Just and just release whatever it is that I have going. And then once it's all said and done and I'm pretty much sweated like crazy and have gotten thirsty and hungry, then I'll be like, all right, I think I'm good. And I'll just, you know, get up, walk out, you know, and everything is cool, you know, so. But um, the relationship that I have uh, with drums, just with music in general, you know, it's, it's an amazing, an amazing relationship that we have. You know, I used to see these posts on Facebook talking about, you know, post your photos of like your Woman Crush Wednesday or whatever. And one time I commented and I posted a picture of my drum set. And I was like, I want you all to meet Cherry because my drum set is like a cranberry red. So I'm like, I want you all to meet Cherry. This is this is my lady. You know, we've been rocking since 2017, you know, and it's just been nothing but good things since, you know, since we got together, you know, and she's never let me down. She's always been there, you know. so, yeah, <laughs> like, and people were laughing, but then somebody commented, was like, I definitely felt that, like, I definitely felt that, you know, and, um, and it's literally, uh, it's literally great, you know, especially, like, how, 
you know, like the way I do it. You know, sometimes I don't even go to the church to go practice, you know, and I know people have seen the clips. I'll literally pack my drums up in my car and I'll drive out to uh, North Augusta where the dock is, where they're building up that neighborhood, and I'll find like an empty spot that they haven't started at. And I'll like set my drums up outside and I'll just play out there outside. I love that idea. Yeah, I've even, I've even had construction workers who would like literally take a break and just drive over and just sit there and just watch me play wow. you know and even with that people are like well how do you do that with people sitting there watching I'm like yeah. I don't think y'all understand I'm like when I'm playing drums especially outside by myself at that moment nothing is around me it's nothing but just open field and yeah. it's me and God and it's just like he speaks through he speaks through what I'm doing on drums you know and even with that, when I finally come to, you know, the people are like clapping, like, oh my God, that was great. And I'm sitting here looking like, when did y'all get here? Because y'all really weren't here about 35 minutes ago, you know, and it's literally just such a freeing feeling, you know, and I tell people, I usually prefer to play drums outside by myself when I'm practicing because, you know, granted, yeah, playing inside of an empty building, you know, when nobody's there, yeah, that's cool. That's great. But it's something about being outside and like truly being surrounded by God's creation and truly just being at one with nature, you know, and kind of just like, you know, I think one time I was outside, it was it was cloudy. It wasn't cold, but it wasn't hot. It was a perfect, happy medium. It was cloudy, but it wasn't raining. But at the same time, like just looking around and kind of seeing the things that just came about you know and you really can't even explain how it got there you know while still you know playing and just being like being one it's utterly an amazing feeling and i tell people i encourage any drummer um if you ever get a chance um there's this one drummer who i forgot the name his name is thomas reed he's out of Aiken, south carolina you know he takes his drums and goes in the woods and he grooves hard in the woods and I'm just like, see, that's what it's about. You know, even Clyde, he's done that before. You know, people made jokes talking about next thing you're going to see his trials over there by the railroad tracks playing. I'm like, I mean, yeah, y'all are laughing, you know, and yeah, it's a funny joke. But yeah. at the same time, it's still just an amazing and freeing feeling to just be out there, you know, by yourself in nothing but an open area. Yeah. You know, I've seen people who were walking the trail, they'll literally stand there. You know, I had one guy, he drove by when a friend of mine, um, when a friend of mine, I had just gotten, uh, I just gotten one of my tattoos and I picked him up from work and I said, so what do you want to do? He was like, let's shoot some footage. I was like, okay, well, let's shoot some footage. Yeah. So my drums were in, um, were in my truck at the time and, you know, we just set up out there and he shot footage and this one guy drove around and then he drove back around and parked with his window down and just listened to me play. And it's just utterly amazing, man. Like, I really have no other words for it. <laughs> I guess um, I'll make this your last, my last question. Considering, you know, the relationship that you have with your sister, your family, the foundation in which you were brought up on, your music, and your appreciation for it, from as far back as you can remember up until today, what would you say is the glory in your story? You know, um, I honestly tell people that uh, I really feel like God used music to save my life. Yeah. You know, God really used music to to save my life. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's been a really crazy road, you know. 
um, childhood wasn't with my family. Childhood was great. Mm-hmm. In school, childhood wasn't great. You know, bullied and talked about continuously. You know, and to a point where I wouldn't even like. I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to be here. And even with that, you know, when my mom would take me up to the school for registration, I would always ask the teacher, "Who's in this class?" Because I'm like, if I know if these certain people are in class, I'm not gonna like it. You know, even even teachers who would go like who would join in with the kids. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, you're an adult. Yeah. You know, high school, I was involved in some really horrible things. Um, and I told God, I said, God, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't, like, I need you to do something. At the time, you know, me and some of the people I was hanging with, we were supposed to do something that was highly illegal. Yeah. Um, and I was supposed to meet them after school. And I, the whole time I was saying, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And it's like he blocked my vision for where I was walking. And I said, God, I don't want to do this. I need you to get me out. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And so then, next thing I know, I look up, and the band director at the time, he was like, hey, what are you doing here? And I was like, I want to play in the marching band. And God was like, you want the way out? There's your way out. And that was great, you know. And, you know, even to this day, um, to this day, you know, at the beginning of the year, well, I'll start from last year. You know, last year I had a, last year was a rough year. Last year was a very rough year. Um, uh, some stuff happened. Uh, I left a job. I, uh, I had gotten into a car wreck. I was trying to buy a car. I was in a relationship with somebody, and um, things didn't go well. Things didn't go well, and uh, it was hurtful. It was actually it was pretty. It was breaking more than likely. Yeah. Well, breaking really, and so that ended. I tried dating somebody else. Like shortly afterwards, that went south. You know, and I had all this stuff I was dealing with emotionally and everything like that and mentally from 2018, the first half of 2018, the person I dated was the last part of 2018. I was like, okay, this is great. Everything is cool. You know, this is like my one piece of piece on my one tiny string of piece. It's like you're hanging off of a cliff and you're like hanging on by a single thread. And once they ended things and the way they ended it, I was just like, why would you even do that? Um, it was like by way of text message. I'm like, why? Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Wow. By text message, I was out. You know, I mean, I'll be transparent. Yeah. I was out with some friends of mine. I was inebriated, you know, and I'm like, so I have to literally, I have to literally, first of all, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. I'm drunk, just straight up. I was yeah. drunk. Then on top of that, I have to try and focus on operating a heavy vehicle. I have to focus on driving a vehicle home, and you break up with me in a text wow. message. Man, <laughs> man, it was, it was rough. It was rough, and I even begged the person. I was like, look, no, like, don't do this and everything like that. And at that point, I was at a point where I felt like I couldn't, like, I just couldn't be single. Yeah. I was like, I couldn't be single, you know what I'm saying? And so, uh, the beginning of the beginning of this year, um, I was at a low point. I was at a very low point, you know. And in fact, if if you said if you were to say I felt like nothing, I felt lower than that. That's where I was. And one day I was working. I was working a job, 
and um, I was a delivery driver and I went in to go service the store but before I went in I had a massive text I had a long text message that I sent you know and the message was trying to figure out one because I think I still have it um, somebody still has it or what have you um, you said this was recently yeah this was in January when it happened the text message the text message said good afternoon if you are receiving this message I just want to say thank you thank you for the years and the time that you've been in my life this year please cherish you Please cherish those who are in your life in the capacity that they are. Lastly, please take the time to check on them. You never know what they're going through. I hope I made a positive impact in your life. Now sign my name. What people don't understand is some people are like, oh, that was so nice. I love you too. And I'm like, y'all don't seem to understand. That was actually a suicide letter. Straight like that. It was a suicide letter. And I sent it. My sister got the message on Facebook Messenger and she called me at the time, the area I was in had no signal so she called me i had a piece of signal and she tried to talk but the call dropped when the call dropped i didn't even take my phone inside the store i was going in like i usually would just take my phone and listen to music or whatever i was at a point where i didn't even want to listen to music and i took my phone left it in the truck that i was um left in the truck i was driving went in service the store services stores and everything like that I came back out to a flood of text messages phone calls Instagram messages Facebook messages you know I had a friend of mine in New York she reached out to my parents via email Uh, my sister called my parents crying like crying our mutual friend she called me my sister called the store the store I work in and my manager she called me and left a message my parents were leaving yeah, me message was, after message, you know, and um, people were just reaching out and reaching out and reaching out. And I tell people, you know, my father, he called me again. In fact, my parents called, my parents like pulled up to where we would park our trucks at and they saw my coworker. They're like, we're looking for our son. And he was like, I haven't seen him. My coworker called me. He's like, your parents are looking for you. I'm like, okay. And I hung up the phone. They called my boss, and the bo- like the office reached out to me like, "Hey, your parents are looking for you. Are you okay?" I'm like, "I'll be fine." And I just hung up the phone, yeah. you know. And as I'm driving back, you know, listening to the voicemails, and I was just so overcome with emotion and tears, in a negative way because I'm like, you know, my parents were like, you know, we love you, and you know, we just want the best for you. And I'm just like, you're lying. This isn't true. This isn't true, and everything. Because at the time, I'm looking like, okay, I'm this age. I'm still in your house, and everything like that. And I just feel like I'm being a burden. So let me just take the burden away. You feel me? So has that. And so after I listen to all the messages or what have you, you know. Um, you know, I, my dad finally got a hold of me and he was like, where are you? I'm like, I'm in the truck just driving. She was like, he's like, I need you to come home. I'm like, well, pops, I just don't want to be a disappointment. He was like, son, I don't care if you're 60 or whatever in our house. He was like, we love you and we just need you to come home, you know, and he was even in tears begging me to come home. You know, um, I called a friend of mine. Um, and I said, look, I need you to just make sure you cherish. At the time, they were going through something with their sibling. And I said, look, forgive your sibling and keep that relationship alive, you know, before I do this. And she was like, before you do what? And I just hung up the phone. Literally, she was in she was in the Walmart 
choosing the Walmart, going towards Edgefield off of Exit 5. From there to my house is about 25, almost 30 minutes. She got to my house in about 10 to 15 minutes. You know, and at the time, you know, I didn't even, at that time, I didn't even know who I was. Like, I legit didn't even know who I was. You know, I went to therapy and, you know, I was just... I honestly was a was a wreck. I was a mess, and I was just like, "Who?" I even looked at myself in the mirror one day. I said, "Who are you?" Because I don't even recognize you right now, you know. And you know, as time moved forward, you know, and as I decided to take back exactly, you know, joy and happiness. You feel what I'm saying? You know, if it honestly wasn't for of course, if it wasn't for God, of course, I don't discredit him for anything. But if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for, you know, the certain friends who I have in my life, you know, if it wasn't for my parents, my family, my sister and our mutual friends. And if it wasn't for music, I honestly would not be sitting here talking to you right now. Yeah. You know, and it's sometimes I know it's a touchy subject, you know, when people talk about suicide and everything like that. And when they talk about depression and stuff. Yeah, it's a very touchy subject, you know, but I honestly lived through it, you know. I honestly lived through it, you know, and even with that, a lot of people would tell me, I didn't know you were going through that. I'm like, that's the thing, you know, you you never know. I would always put on that facade that everything was okay, but deep down inside, you know, and I even put a tweet, I even put out a tweet, I said, sometimes under the interior of a person is a little child that's really crying for help. Yeah. And that's what it felt like. On the outside, Charles is great. On the outside, Charles has lost all this weight. On the outside, Charles has a nice beard. On the outside, Charles plays the mess out of some drums. On the outside, Charles has these tattoos. On the outside, you know, Charles dresses nice. On the outside, this and on the outside, that. But on the inside was a little kid who was just basically like, help. Yeah. You know, so, like I said, without God, family, my parents, my sister, you know, my family, and then without music, said I wouldn't even be here you know so I feel like that's literally the glory in all of that yeah yeah a lot of uh, I say this a lot of men aren't open to admitting to that Mm -hmm. and um, it is a very sensitive subject Mm -hmm. but there's power in sharing Mm -hmm. and there's power in informing people right and um, I actually lost a friend who wasn't sure the signs were there, but I wasn't paying attention. Right. Because at that moment, to be honest, I was being selfish. Mm-hmm. And when it happened, that's when everything before started making sense. Like, oh, wow. And then you get that guilt feel, like, why I should have did this, or why didn't I do that? Right. Um, but it was, um, that was a huge eye-opener. Because mm-hmm. at some point, I was maybe fused. I was suicidal. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, God, just do whatever you got to do. Mm-hmm. I, just, I'm, I quit. And then he intervened in a way that I never would expect. And I'll I'll tell you about that later. But it was, thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can't really express how difficult it was for me not to cry. Like, that was, Mm -hmm. there's certain things you said and you answered certain questions. And I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. Um, But thank you um, for that. I really appreciate it. And, you know, it's even crazy. Um, like the day it happened, you know, I was like, God, like, if you don't, and I was like, God, like, I need you to talk. Like, can you talk to me, please? And it was to a point where I was getting upset. Like, I was already, I was already emotional, like, low, like, low. 
and I'm like getting angry now, like, God, like say something, like say something. And it's like, I couldn't even hear him. And it's like, God, if you don't talk to me, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And at the same time, it was like, it was like, I still couldn't hear anything, you know? And like the day after it happened, you know, the day after it happened, it was crazy because when I pulled up to the, to the place where we park our trucks, my parents were already there. They met me on the driver's side. My blade, like my knife that I had on me, it was open. It was open. My dad like had to hug me and take my blade away. And quite honestly, I still haven't even got my knife back, but that's neither here nor there, you know. But um, took my blade and everything like that. And I still was just like, God, I still haven't heard you all day. And the next day, you know, my parents were like, take the day off. And I called my office. I said, I need to take tomorrow off. They said, take the day off. And I said, okay, cool. So I took the day off and you know, I hung out with a friend of mine and everything like that. But before I did that, you know, God immediately spoke. You know, I tell people, when me and God talk, I hear God exactly how you hear my voice right now. Yeah. I felt like God was literally in my car. And God told me, he said, the reason why I wasn't speaking, the reason why you couldn't hear me is because you weren't trying to hear me. Yeah. You know, and he was like, I spoke. And he was like, and I said, well, I didn't hear you talk the way I'm talking to you now. And he was like, I spoke. He's like, I didn't. He's like, I spoke not through my words. He's like, but through everybody who was calling you and texting you. You know, when your father called you, he's like, that was me speaking to you. But it's like you weren't trying to listen to that, yeah. you know. And he's literally, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, they were like, hey, you know, you can't just leave, you know, like you can't just leave. You know, you can't just do that. Like, you know, people like you impact a lot of people. And it felt like God kind of like pulled me out of myself and like gave me like a broad view of everything, yeah. you know. And it was just like you impact, like you impact a lot of people, you know. Whether it's by your PSAs on Instagram to your playing to, you know, you being funny on social media, you know, you impact people in different ways, you know. And he was like, your time here, he's like, it's not over. He's like, it's not time for you to go yet, you know. You barely just scratched the surface. You barely just scratched the surface of you know, the talent and the gift that I gave you and just everything of that nature, you barely have scratched the surface, you know, so it's great, you know, and even um, even when I put the post up on my Facebook and I say, you know, messenger's open, but the profile is gone, you know, this guy, he commented, he said, uh, he said, well, what's going on? I'm like, I just kind of need to break from social media. He's like, well, keep playing, bro. He's like, this earth needs you. And God spoke. He was just like, told you. And it's crazy. So, I mean, yeah, it's difficult to share, you know. It's very difficult to share sometimes. But, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, some pe somebody could be going through what I went through, you know. And it's like I'm here to say, hey, I went through it, but I lived through it. Yeah. You know, I went through it, but I'm still here. You know, if I would have chosen to take the other route. I wouldn't be able to tell you how I got through it, yeah. you know, so. But, uh, thanks a lot, man. Thanks Definitely. For your time. Thanks for sharing. Definitely. Uh, thanks for being candid. Yes, sir. Really appreciate that. Uh, for those of you who are listening, this is uh, The Glory in Our Stories with Mr. Mr. Charles Gibbons. Hello, TGOS listeners. Thank you for listening. Tune in soon for the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories.